He is so good. You know, we were, we were singing that song, Isn't the Name of Jesus Beautiful? I love that song. And, you know, sometimes we just, life can kind of just attach itself to us, if you know what I'm talking about. Just kind of drags on. It's like something kind of dragging behind you. And, and sometimes we, uh, there's such power when we put our eyes on Him. There's an exchange that occurs because we, we give Him the spirit of heaviness, and He gives us a new garment. You know what the Bible calls it? The garment of praise. And I tell you what, sometimes when you, you can sing these songs, isn't the name of Jesus beautiful? Isn't it wonderful? Isn't His name powerful? I was thinking about when um, uh, recently, I, Pastor Jonathan, Gabe, my son Elam, and, and I we got to go on a little hike, and we were talking about this, that backpacking food is not good except for when you're backpacking. Uh, and it's funny what happened. I mean, I'm talking about the freeze-dried stuff. You ever had it? The very first time I ever went, I, I was so like dehydrated and so low on sodium and I'd just been sweating and working and I was so tired and so hungry. I got this freeze-dried beef stew. You pour some boiling water in and it's, fr- you're, it's now freezing. You've set up a tent. You're wet. You're cold because thank you, God, for the Pacific Northwest. And it's never dry, but we're there, and and man, I'm so hungry, I just need, and I take a bite of this freeze-dried, lasts for 30 years, beef stew. There's something wrong with something that lasts for 30 years, right? And that shouldn't be on any delicacy menu anywhere, any place, right? But when you've been backpacking, you are so desperate that it tastes so amazing, right? And I remember it just eating that, I'm like... This is the best thing I've ever eaten in my entire life, right? That's like, that's how you feel. And so this is the very first time I went. This was years ago. And I remember I was a single dude at the time. And uh, I remember going home and I'm like, you know what I'm going to (laughs) do? I'm single. I've been eating lean cuisine and Hot Pockets. So uh, I'm going to try me another one of those beef stews. Because that thing was so good. Guess what happened? It was not even food, okay? I mean, it's like eat cardboard warmed up. That's what it, it felt and tasted like. And I don't know if any of you can relate. And, and I am by no means trying to draw a direct correlation to freeze-dried beef stew and Jesus. Okay? So let the record stand to show... <laughs> Not drawing a direct correlation, but there's something about how things taste when you're hungry and how things taste when you're desperate. And when you, f- you found yourself just going through things to say the na- that song is in the name of Jesus beautiful, it's really easy for us to in the spirit of heaviness just go, isn't the name of Jesus beautiful? Yeah, sure. But if you take a one moment and remind yourself where he's taken you from. Where that place of desperation was where you just said, if I could just get one drop, one ounce, one taste of life. I'm so thirsty, I'm so hungry. And when Jesus, our Savior, our Deliverer, answered that need of your soul, and for the very first time I tasted of something I've never tasted before, Jesus said, if you drink the water that I have to give you, you'll never thirst again. That first drink, that first sip of the living water that is Jesus Christ himself, that first drink, man, there's nothing like it. And it's so easy for us, just life and the flesh, the flesh is really good at trying to downplay everything that is Jesus. (laughs) It says that that, that flesh nature, the mind, it is at enmity, it is against God. But man, when we look at him, how can we not, how can we not smile? How can we not be full of thanksgiving and gratitude, feeling undeserving of the mercy and the grace that we've been given? He is, he's so good. I was thinking of, uh, we were doing communion. I love doing communion together. And my family and I, we started uh, just at home from time to time doing it. We're not perfect at doing it all the time, but we try to do it. Um, 
when we can. The Bible does not necessarily prescribe it, at least in the New Testament, how, it, how often it should be done. It says, as oft as you do this. Do this in remembrance of me. But that word oft means, well, it should be kind of happening, right? <laughs> like, oft. Um, how, many, how many of you were just hanging out the other day and you're like, hey, how oft do you do this? You're right, like, we don't say that. But as oft as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. That's an active position of reminding ourselves of what God has done and how good he is. And I, I was thinking about this, but you know, if you read in John chapter 14, Jesus, on that last night of the Last Supper, he says, I go to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. I, I would not have told you this if it wasn't true. He's like, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And they're like, Where, what? You're going to the Father? Where's the Father? He's like, don't you guys know if you've seen me, you've seen the Father? And all this stuff, right? Do you know that in Galilean culture, a man who would ask a bride or a woman to marry him, part of the covenantal process would be, I'm going to my father's house to build a place for you. That would be in the Galilean culture. The, the groom would say, will you marry me? But then there would be a, this betrothal process. But during the covenantal period where in the witness of the elders, the groom would say, will you agree to spend the rest of your life for me because I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And so Jesus is saying this to his future bride because that's us, the bride of Christ. I know, fellas, that sounds weird, but this is spiritual. We are the bride of Christ, and we live in the time of betrothal right now. There's a time when we will sit down at the wedding supper of the Lamb, and we will be united, one body, with one Savior. Amen? But he says, I go to prepare a place for you. In my father's house, there's many mansions. I'm making a place for you. And then what does he do? He hands them the cup. In the covenantal Galilean culture, the way for the bride to say, yes, I will marry you. Like when I was on a mountain and I asked my wife, will you marry me? I had a ring. Right? Not this one. That one over there. <laughs> looks a lot better on her. Um, but I had, a, I had a ring hidden in my backpack, and it was a nerve-wracking process and a fun time. But uh, I had a poem and all this stuff. We get up to the mountain, and I, I ask her, will you marry me? And what does she say? Yes, I will. And I say, stick out that finger. <laughs> Let me just make sure. <laughs> in case you change your mind, I'm going to lock, lock, lock this in. Right? Let's do it quick. Do it quick. No, I'm just joking. We, we flew down that mountain. That was a, that was a fun time. Um, the hike was so hard on the way up, and it was so easy coming down. It's funny how that works. Love will make you light. Um, but, uh, but Jesus, speaking to his disciples, didn't have a ring. He had a cup. And he said, I've desired. If you read in Luke, I think it's in Luke, where he says, I have des deeply desired to have this meal with you. I have so longed for this meal right here. Why was it that special? Because he was about to present them the cup of covenant. He said, this cup is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. He's saying, this is the betrothal. Will you give me your whole life? Will you commit yourself to me as a bride would to the groom? And to drink of the cup is to say, yes, Lord, I'm yours from now until forever. I'm yours. And man, it's a beautiful picture that we see in communion. There's, there's so much more to it. But Jesus is preparing a place for us right now. And it's easy to get caught up in the life and all the stuff that's going on. May we remember we serve the God who's preparing a place for us, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. He's good, amen? amen. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Let's just pray for a moment. Can we do that? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we exalt you. We exalt you.
Lord, we lift up your name and we thank you, Lord, for you are holy. We will not bow to the gods of men. We will bow to no other, but we bow before you, God. We don't just bow our our flesh or just our, our outwardness, but Lord, we bow our hearts before you. We come under your authority. We come under you and your ways. Your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We submit ourselves to you and we thank you, Lord, that you are so good and so faithful, Lord, to not just meet the needs of our heart, but Lord, to cause your life to overflow in us, to change us, that, Lord, through us, the world might also be touched. Lord, I ask, we ask this morning, Holy Spirit, that you would come in your beautiful conviction, that you would come to instill in us a holy surrender, a holy yieldedness, a holy lowliness and humility, a holy bow within our hearts. We pray you'd, you'd, you'd brand within us obedience, Brand within us a a desire that says, I don't want to live, be, and do anything outside of who you are. Holy Spirit, I thank you, Lord, for speaking to every heart. You You are the good shepherd, O Lord, and you feed your sheep, and you are faithful to meet the needs of everyone. So I pray that not one person would leave this place without being touched and marked by you. Lord, let this not be another Sunday where we leave feeling a little bit better than the week before, but Lord, that we would leave this place changed, transformed by your power and by your love. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we give you praise. We give you praise. Thank you, Lord. As I was just praying last night, I just I felt like there's some of you here today um, you've been really just struggling with like a, a, a loneliness. You, um, I don't even know how to put words to it, but just like a deep loneliness. And the Lord sees that, and he wants you to know that he's with you. And that if you will yield to him and let him and just lean into him, God will, he will meet the needs of, of your heart. It's amazing what God can do. He, he meets every need of our heart to the point where, yes, he will put people in our lives, but sometimes there's just a place in us that needs to stop wrestling and let him just be what we need. And so for whoever that is today, I'm not going to ask you to dance and, and do anything. Um, stand on one leg if you want to receive. You know, but just, just receive that and lean into him. And if you need to run to him at the altar today, do so and don't hesitate. Thank you, Lord. And as Pastor John was at, during worship, came up and talked about God as our deliverer, and I, God was talking to me in that moment about the exact same thing. And so I just want to bear witness to that. God is here to, to set the captive free. And um, one, one of the things that I felt, in addition to everything that was said, is... Um, just if you feel like you've been tormented by the devil, that's like the right, best way for me to say it. You just have been tormented. Whatever that is, in fear, in, in lies, in whatever, but there's just been an, an element of you've just been tormented. Your heart and your soul and your mind are not at rest. The Lord is here to deliver you. And I want you to receive that today. Don't leave this place without receiving from him. He's, Jesus is so good. It says when the sick came to him, he, he healed all that were sick and all that were oppressed of the devil. He's so good to set the captive free. And he's here to do that. And there's some of you here today, you've been wrestling with thoughts of harming yourself even to the point of your own life. I know that's, you know. Whoa, he's, he's just going there. Um, but, but Jesus, he sees that. He's heard those cries. He's heard those moments where you've wrestled and you've been alone and torn. And, and God says his purpose over your life is so much greater than you think. Today, please, I, am, I am implore you, do not leave this place without responding to the Lord and letting him set you free of that depression. His, he is here to shine his light. I, I just feel like, man, there's just some of you, it's like... Just everywhere I go, I can't really see. Just it feels dark. Jesus is here to shine his light. And in his light, we're scared of walking into the light. It's scary. 
in our, in our mind, right? We think it's, it should be scary. But in the light is where Jesus sets us free. In the light is not where, oh, everyone knows my stuff and now I'm condemned. No, in, as per- Pastor Carolyn just prayed, there's no condemnation in him. So in the light, I'm not condemned, I'm freed. In the light, that which was bound is now loosed. So thank you, Lord. Step into the light, run to him. Um, the past few weeks we've been talking about learning Christ um, Knowing him, uh, coming to not just knowing about God, but knowing him personally. Learning Christ is to, Paul said, I count all things. Everything I've ever done in my life, I count it as rubbish, as garbage compared to just knowing him. Jesus said, this is eternal life, that they would know you, God, and know your son whom you sent. It's about knowing him and the heart uh, that I feel the Lord, what the Lord wants to do today is instill in us um, a new capacity for brokenness and obedience. And so I, if, you're, if you want a title, if you're taking notes, Learning Christ in Loving Obedience. When, I know when we say the word obedience, it's like, yo, like, obedience? Yay. Here's the pep talk, you know, just do better. Uh, I, I can say I, I know a lot of people who have tried in their own willpower to live better, right? We all have a general sense of, like, what's right and what's wrong, right? Am I the only one? Don't shout me down. Okay. We all have a general sense of right and wrong, and we all have a pretty often probably conflict with, like, oh, that wasn't really, <laughs> that wasn't right. And we, we wrestle with this, and we try to, out of our own willpower, do better. And I know so many people where I've, I've seen just in their life where they are, they, 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 they go into a season of, I'm going to do better. I'm going to start reading 900 chapters of the Bible a day. I'm going to pray for eight hours a day. And day one, let's try tomorrow. You know, it's like, okay, first, if you, by the way, Setting yourself aside to get into the Word, as Pastor Carolyn exhorted us last week, absolutely part of our life, yeah. right? I mean, the Bible says study to show yourself approved, like there's something about knowing Him. But the intent is not so that I can do better and do right. The intent is that I might know Him. And that by knowing Him, in that I'm changed and I'm transformed. And what I was, I no longer live according to that. I live according to Him. Paul said, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life that I now live, I live in him, according to his power. And, um, but I, I know I've seen people where they, they go in this like pattern, and, and, and I've seen this people right here uh, do that, where I'm going to try and do better. Anybody? Anybody ever done this? If you've ever tried to do better, just lift your hand. If you did not lift your hand, liar. Uh, anyway. <laughs> You can, you can stand right here. No, I'm sorry. Um, we, that's the slapping line. Uh, this is, no, I'm just trying. We don't do that anymore. No, I'm just We never did that, okay, just for the record. Uh, for whoever's on YouTube or live. Um, thank you, God. But uh, how many know we do that, and how long does it last? Not very long, right? Maybe weeks if we're good. And I know for my, if you look at, I just look at my own life or or people that I know closely, man, it was like tried and tried and fall and fall and fall and fall. And then all of a sudden, something has completely drastically changed when that person finally surrenders all. I know that was the case for me. There was one day, one night, where for me, it was literally, Jesus, everything on the line, I give it all to you, whatever you want to do with my life, all the things that I've dreamed of doing, I give it to you. All the things that I feel like I'm talented and gifted to do, I give it to you, everything. Everything I've ever desired or wanted, I give it to you, Lord, do whatever you want to do in me. Guess what happened? Things got way easier, and I was no longer trying. I was just being with him. And in, my, in the nearness of him and in his love, God empowered me to live 
differently. And I've seen this in so many people. And, and so it's, it's just funny, though. It's like, well, then hurry up and just get there, right? You know? It's, and it doesn't always work like that, but the Holy Spirit is so good to draw us into this. And I was just thinking of this funny story. I don't know if I might embarrass him a little. Not really that much. Where's Evan? Is he not here? Evan, you're going to hear this later if you're in kids ministry or something. Uh, but I remember one time in, in youth ministry years ago, we were at a winter camp and playing in this, this snowy area. And the hills weren't that great and the snow wasn't that great either. And our, our sledding fun kind of was slow. We, we, we had fun for a while. We played some games, did some races and stuff. And then we were just kind of like hanging out in the snow area. How many know when kids just kind of don't have a, a thing to do? <laughs> They, they start coming up with things to do, and usually it's destructive or <laughs> harmful, um, right? Maybe, maybe it's just my observation, um, but anyway, in this situation, that was, that was kind of the case. We learned over time, plan camp down to the every last minute, so there's always something to do, because uh, that keeps kids out of trouble. But in this case, uh, our plan was go sledding, you know, and it, it kind of ran dry for a bit, and Kids are just hanging out, throwing snowballs, and then it starts, oh, yeah, let's bury people, and let's smash them, and, and you know, whitewash them, and all that fun stuff. And you're like, okay, you know, snow, you know, kids, you know, doing the thing. And, uh, and then there was these couple kids that were doing this thing to, to Evan. He might not remember this. I don't know. He was, he was very young at the time. Um, but uh, they, were, they were playing this game where one of them would, would stand behind him, and then the other one would, like, push him. And he'd fall down, and, and I saw it, and I was like, mm, I don't like that. I do not like that. But I was inactive. I remained indifferent. I mean, we do this. We remain indifferent. And then it happened a few minutes later. Everybody's doing stuff. And all of a sudden, I see it again. And I'm just like, something in me is like, this is not okay. But I didn't do anything. And then it happened again. And this time it happened really close to a, where there was like this farm fence and it, and it was really close and I'm like, he could have hit his head or something. And, and out of me, just, if there's anybody that was in youth at the time that remembers this story, maybe you do, but I, I, out of me just blasted. I was just, I like, it just it jumped on it like right there. And, and if, you know, for those who know me, it's not totally my nature. Like I'm a pretty nice guy. And, uh, and but I just was like, both of you, over here, right now. I got him under a tree. I gave it to him. I said, you can never do that again. You're going to... And it was so cold out. My, I remember my face. I had a hard time talking. You ever had that problem? So I'm like, another thing. You're going to say sorry, you know. I don't know what I said. I don't even remember. But all I know is they were scared to death. They, I remember uh, one of them coming up to me a little bit later. Hey, Pastor Sam, I'm, I'm so sorry about that. Uh, I'll never do that again. You know, <laughs> um, I don't think I ever had to do that quite like that ever. But um, that was a, a fun thing. But how many know sometimes like we, we're so naturally indifferent. We're so naturally like just bare minimum. But I believe the Holy Spirit wants to waken something in us that says, if I don't give him everything, it's going to cost something. But if I give him everything, which, by the way, costs something, in exchange, we're going to live in his everything. And so I, I, what, and what the, the heart is, I believe, is really this place of obedience, loving obedience. And I know that personally, I, I found... Um, even up to yesterday, I've, but I felt the Lord just correcting me in a loving way. And I've just found this place of repentance before him. How many know repentance is for Christians? Okay. Uh, if, if you have ever thought it's okay, because I used to think this too, that repentance is just what a sinner does when they want to become a Christian. That is, yes, that's, that's part of the process. But how many know we constantly are turning to him? Because sometimes we get a little off track. Even when our heart's intent is to be right. So, but I found this place of just repentance in him. It's a beautiful, weepy, you know, kind of repentance. But I, things like, God, I've, I've presumed what my life should be. 
I've presumed what good should be. I've presumed what success should be in my life. I've presumed how much suffering I should experience in my life. Like th- th- that kind of stuff. Does that sound weird? Like we, we, we sometimes, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm not the only one. Like in the body of Christ, I feel like sometimes we've taken all of God's goodness and we've kind of molded it to our own preference. He's Jehovah Jireh, so therefore, Lamborghini, right? I, I, I know we don't do that. None of us in here do that. I might have when I was like 18 or something. Who knows? But, um, but we take who God is, his nature, his goodness, and we grab the part that I like, and then I say, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to apply this and manipulate who God is for my own purpose. I want to manipulate God and and take his word and shift it and shape it so that my preferences are met instead of he's a holy God who created everything and I didn't deserve his mercy and so out of all I have to give him is my yes. And I believe God wants to take his bride. You know, it says that, that the bride will be without wrinkle and without blemish. In Revelation 19, it says the bride has made herself ready. Man, I want to be ready. And the the made herself ready part, I believe, is just simply said, okay, Lord, do whatever you want to do. (laughs) Because we can't do it by ourselves. We need the Holy Spirit. But I want to ask you a question. Have you ever found yourself feeling like you weren't doing enough for God? Anybody? Because I know I have. You ever felt like you weren't doing enough? Have you ever found yourself feeling amazing because you were doing so much for God? Yeah. I think maybe some of us, if you've been in church for a little bit, you've probably had an opportunity to feel both. What if I told you that God is not focused on either? He wants your heart. And out of a heart that's transformed, out of a heart that's pliable in his hands, the Bible says in, in Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you desire, the desires of your heart. That word delight yourself means make yourself like, like soft clay on a potter's wheel and let yourself be molded and shaped by the potter. Delight yourself in him and he will give you the desires of your heart, meaning he will put desires in your heart that match his desire. He will shape in you a new desire, a new hunger. So when we work in him and we're close to him, God shapes and forms in us an obedience, a desire to live inside of his ways. The devil, if you look at Genesis chapter 2, what did he come against? He challenged the word of God. He said, did God really say you don't really need to obey him completely, right? You, you could still eat the food because he's afraid of you being a god. And in so doing, he made slaves. Sons of disobedience. All of us are that. But in Jesus, the slave is set free. In Jesus, we're set free to live inside of obedience. We think our natural mind goes, obedience, ooh, control, I don't want to be under control, don't make me do that. Obedience is love acted out. Obedience is the result, the fruit of love. I want to, let's, can we read something really quick? First Samuel chapter 15. First Samuel chapter 15. We'll get you out of here before the Hawks game starts. How about that? Unless God has a different plan. So we're going to follow him. What do you think? (laughs) Some of you are like, yes, thank you, Jesus. First Samuel 15, are you there? Are you there? Say amen. Amen. Amen.
Speaking of obedience, um, Kayla, is your husband free? It, no, no, don't hurry. Take your time. Like if there's like a break point, just come on in. Thank you, Lord. Um, 1 Samuel 15, we're going to just read verses 22 and 23. Are you ready? And Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, we prayed this already this morning, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination or witchcraft. Woe. Can I just say something today? Okay? It's not to scare us, but to waken us up. Witchcraft exists in the body of Christ today. Why? Rebellion. It's here in the word. Rebellion is the same as witchcraft. And presumption or stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Whoa, what are we preaching here today? This is not fun. Um, don't worry, it's going to be good. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. He's speaking this to Saul. And Saul had told God how he was going to worship him when God had already instructed him to do it a different way. Samuel had said, this is what God wants you to do. I want you to wipe off the face of the earth, these people. The, the enemy of God, the, this, this enemy who had been tormenting the people of God. And, and Saul said, I'm going to do it a little bit different. I'm going to take what God said and I'm going to tweak it just enough so that the people will like me more. So that I can manipulate God to do what I want. So that I can get God to like me better. What God said was good, but I'm going to make it a little bit better. And the Lord says, this sacrifice has no, there's no delight in this. To obey, obedience is better than sacrifice. Let's, um, oh, we've got them. Can, do you guys mind coming up here really quick? Just both of you. I just wanted you guys to be together. Is that okay? Don't worry, I'm not going to embarrass you. We're just gonna, I just feel like we need to pray over these guys. Can, can you guys stretch your hands forward? I just felt this from the Lord last night. Would you guys just stand right here? And it might be good to just be safe, have ushers and pastors if you guys want to come. But um, all I know is I felt it impressed on my heart that we needed to pray and lay hands on you guys. And uh, man, enemies throwing stuff at you. And I hate the devil. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And so, Lord, we love you and we hate the evil that the devil has brought against Kayla and Tyler. And, Lord, we just come under you, Lord, and we say, have your way in their lives. We thank you, Lord, that greater are you who is in them than he who is in the world. We thank you, Lord, that you have called them to be overcomers, that they shall not be overcome by evil, but they shall overcome evil with the goodness of God. And so we just speak in the name of Jesus, that anointing that flows from who you are, Jesus, Messiah, the anointed one, and we break off that work of the enemy. We just say, devil, loose your hands off of them in Jesus' name, and we declare freedom in Jesus' name. We speak healing over them in Jesus' name. Lord, we just thank you for your blessing over their family, for divine guidance, for divine wisdom. Lord, we thank you, God, for your grace to lead them in your steps. And we thank you, God, to cause the overflow to abound in their life. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Every lie of the devil, you must fall to the ground now in Jesus' name. We declare the lordship of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord. Manifest your life right now in her body. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen.
Amen. Love you guys. Thank you, Lord. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And sometimes obedience will involve sacrifice. But the heart is what matters. All right. We're not going to get through all this, but I, I, I want to say something. What's interesting is if you read in Hosea chapter 9, there's this verse. I think it's verse 6. And the Lord is speaking through the prophet Hosea. He says, every evil is found in Gilgal. Gilgal was a place where God had, 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 had consecrated as a place where Israel was restored back to God, where Joshua consecrated all the people of Israel through, through con, uh, circumcision. And there was a place of the rolling away, and there was, it was a, a, a holy place, a, a, a place where God said, this is where my people are now my people again. And at the very same place, Saul is chosen as a king. And that seems like, hey, a small thing, you know, everybody has a king. Nations have a king. God did not want there to be any other king than him. And so at Gilgal, I think it's chapter 11 of 1 Samuel, is the very place where the people of Israel say, hey, prophet, hey, Samuel, I know you're saying that God wants to be our king, but we don't want that. We want a king of our own. And so out of that came King Saul, and, and he was anointed as a king according to the heart of the people. How many know we do this? Hey, God, I know you want to do it this way. I know you like to do it like that. I know you, want to, you, you have a plan for my life, but I want it to be like this. So can you change a little bit here and do this a little different and make it happen my way? What's the, what is that, Burger King or McDonald's? You know, I want it, I don't know. Or Frank Sinatra. <laughs> I had it my way. Um, yep, that's, that's a song you sing on your way to hell, you know? I want it your way, Lord. But out of that rebellion, out of that sin, out of that first evil if you will. Now, first evil was really in the Garden of Eden, but, but in Hosea it says, every evil of the nation of Israel begins in Gilgal. I believe that's where it begins. I could be wrong. I'm not, you know, the Bible scholar, but I, I believe that's what the Lord was showing me, is that's where it began because the people wanted to do it different, and they wanted someone in between them and God, just like happened with Moses and others. And out of that is birthed a king that represents the people. And so you see a king who constantly is disobeying what God is instructing. Multiple sacrifices that he would not wait for Samuel in chapter 13 to do a sacrifice. In chapter 15, he, he says, oh, I have obeyed the Lord. I have gone on the mission which the Lord sent me. I've brought a Agag, blah, 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 king of Amalek, all this stuff. I have. No, no, you haven't, Saul. And I believe... The Lord, by the Holy Spirit, is here to remove anything in us because we're all born with it that says, I want it my way. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Psalm 51 says, You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Obedience, simply put, is to just give our God our heart. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, deny self, pick up your cross, follow me. Obedience is born out of love, and I want to look at the model. We want to look at the model who lovingly obeys. Um, and as, as we just look at this, I want to say there's three things that I, wanna, I believe the Lord really wants to call us into today. To step into this holy obedience, this holy surrender, this holy brokenness before the Lord. One is repent. One is bow. And one is walk in the Spirit. Repent, bow, walk in the Spirit. Repent, bow, walk in the Spirit. I've, we've already talked about repent. 
It simply means to turn back to him, draw near to him, come close to him. Job was described as a man who turned from evil. We are to be people who turn from evil toward our God. John 14 says, if you love me, keep my commandments. First John 5, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and they are not a burden. Why? Because it's love. Because it's love. Okay, we're going to get to bow here in a second. But let me just say this. I cannot obey outside of him. And I cannot obey simply by saying, okay, God, I'm going to show you my love by my obedience. No. Obedience is born out of love because he first loved us. And when that love comes and I, there's something in my heart that stops resisting it and stops pushing but says, okay, I'm going to receive your love. I'm going to trust your love. I'm going to let your love into my life. Lord, have your way. When I lean in and receive his love, that love changes who I am. And it changes my desires. And so out of that love that comes toward us, then love comes out of us. And obedience is just simply an outworking of that love working through our life. David's repair, uh, prayer in, in 51, restore to me a right spirit. He's just saying, God, get me back to where my heart is receiving your love and giving you back love. I want to get right back in that place where you and I are close. And obedience is not, oh, did I do this? Did I do that? Did I do? No, no, no. It's I'm so close to him. Like John the Apostle, I've leaned in and I'm hearing the heartbeat of Jesus. And it's not like, can I, will I, should I? It's just, Jesus, where are you? I want to be there. Where are you? I want to be there too. Repent. If you need to repent, if you're far from God, if you're just, you know you're not following him, turn today. Don't leave here without repenting. Second, bow. This symbol of bowing to get low, to get on one's knees, is a symbol of weakness. I mean, you've probably watched some movie where some guy who's about to get, you know, hurt, I'll say it nicely, you know, bows or something to like show, all right, go do what you've got to do. Or, or someone who bows before a king. It's a symbol of weakness, a symbol of the opposite of me posturing in pride and strength is weakness, lowliness, humility, right? To get low, to bow. And I want to read this, Luke 22. If, you, if you've got your Bible, feel free to turn there. I'm going to read this. Luke 22, verse 39. I'm going to read quick. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed. You could translate that after they'd had the Last Supper. This is where this is all happening. Jesus has just shared a whole lot of stuff with them. They've just had the Last Supper. They just had communion. And coming out of that place, he went to his prayer closet, the Mount of Olives, as he was accustomed, he went to spend time with the Father to lean in and get close to the Father. And his disciples also followed him. Verse 40, when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you would not enter into temptation. Which, by the way, if you, don't, if you take that apart, if we don't pray, if we don't pray, you want to live overcoming? You want to live where temptation doesn't have power over you? To be tempted is not sin, by the way. Jesus went into the wilderness to be tempted. But to enter into temptation. The Lord himself spoke to Cain. He says, sin is lying at the door. It's knocking. But don't open that door. Jesus says, pray, you don't enter into temptation. Okay, that's a freebie. Verse 41, and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. So maybe like from me to Ben, probably. I could chuck a stone over there. I won't because I, I love him. Um, and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down. He knelt down. I, I think we read over this so quickly, we've, we've heard this story, we know this one, yep, Jesus in the garden prays before he goes on the cross, yep, you know, just like we, we talked about, isn't the name of Jesus beautiful? 
But when we think and we look and we see who he really is, when we open our hearts to say, God, you are so good, do we see that the king of all kings, the creator of heaven and earth, it says in, in John chapter 1, without him, nothing was made that was made. I mean, the person who made the dirt puts his own knees on the dirt. The person who made sweat, sweating. The person who made blood, also sweating. It says he, he, he sweat. The sweat became drops of blood out of his pores. I mean, that's, wow. He knelt down, learning Christ, knowing Christ. Do we know him as the one who will get low and prayed? And he said, Father, if it's your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. Because how many know when we submit ourselves to God, God will help us. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. Not my will. Not my will, but yours be done. I believe there is a, an alarming increase in the world today of the question, will you bow? And it is coming from the wrong source. There is a question, there is a knocking at the door of every heart today, will you bow? And no, I'm not talking about a vaccine. Oh, we just went political. I'm not talking about that. <laughs> we are, we've, our, our nation is already, and this means even Christians, our nation has gotten to the point where we are divided of what color we vote for, even in the church. And last time I checked, there's one kingdom. There is one Lord. There's one God and Father of us all. There's one Spirit. There's one baptism. And it's in Him we live and we move and we have our being. There's only one source of life. When the blood was shed, it was one color. How many know we all bleed the same color on the inside? I am thankful God did not ask us to be colorblind. He asked us to love the unity that comes in diversity. There is something so powerful when we who all have different opinions and, and, and nostrils, because that's what opinions are very similar to. Everybody's got them and they got, they're full of boogers. But God takes all of that and he molds it together and he says, I will have one people. But how many know there is only one way that we are unified, and that is when we have bowed to him and no other. We saw, sung the song today, I will not bow to the gods of man. How many know we bow sometimes without thinking about, I, I have bowed. Let me just confess to you today, I have bowed to needing enough money. I have bowed to the perfect lifestyle. I have bowed to to making sure people like me. I have bowed to trying to make everyone approve of my life. How many know we do this? Yeah. We've bowed to ourselves. When we've said, God, if you'll do this, then I'll do that. How many know he already made the move? Shed upon a cross. His blood was poured out. And he said, I've given you my life. While you were a sinner, I died for you. It's up to us to simply receive. But will we bow? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Pastor Carolyn mentioned last week, we will not bow before you, O king, even if God doesn't show up. Why would they not bow before a king who was about to behead them or throw them into a fiery furnace. Why would they not bow? Because they'd already bowed before a greater king. And there's got to be something in us that wakes up and says, I will bow my knee before the king of all kings, and I will bow before no other. That's right. 
All of this sounds amazing. All of this sounds great. But I'm telling you, you cannot do it in your own strength. We need the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 5, Paul says this. And, and Deborah, if you wouldn't mind coming and just playing. Just the piano. She's somewhere around. Oh, there she is. I'm like looking around. We're going to find her. I got a metal detector. I'm going to find Deborah. Um, Paul says this in Galatians 5, and he's dealing with this. They've been saved, and now they're trying to add to their salvation and, and dealing with the issue of circumcision. And as, as Jews, should we do this and this and that? And, and he's, he's saying, who has bewitched you? Who has deceived you? Who has hindered you from this? Obeying the truth. Who has hindered you from living in obedience? Do you not know that the gospel is simply this? Jesus did the work. Receive of what he's done and follow him. And what's interesting is that this chapter, Galatians 5, it ends with, maybe you, you know this, the fruit of the Spirit. The outflow of the Spirit Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. But there's this, there's this, this verse, I, I forget the number. It says, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the desire or the lust, the intent of the flesh. Walk in the the Spirit. How many know we can't do it without Him? And I believe the Holy Spirit is here to help us. Sometimes we need help standing up, right? Maybe you're weak, you're tired. My, my kids who are very little, they need help standing up. Sometimes when we, we get advanced in years, maybe we also need help standing up. Get injured, maybe we need help standing up. I believe today we need help getting down we need the Holy Spirit to come and purge something out of us that will say my way oh Holy Spirit we need you to remove the my way we need you to remove the rebellion we need you to remove the witchcraft the divination that which says I'll take what God said and I'll make it work for me and just say God I bow before you not my will but yours be done If you're here and you need to repent, will you guys just stand with me? Sometimes repentance can be like really, really big. Like this is a moment in time I'll never forget. And sometimes repentance is just course correction, which we do throughout our life. As we turn and we aim and we get closer to him. But if you're here and you need to repent, man, I don't want you to leave this place, whatever it is. Don't leave here without turning your whole heart to him. I believe there's some here today you've, you've really wrestled with trying to live right. There's something in you that's like, man, I want to live right. I want to know how to just do life right. I think there's some of you here today, you've, you've had some real hurts, like some real burnings in, in life. There's something in you that's like, something's not quite, I don't have the right formula. And I'll tell you what the formula is. It's called surrender. It's called give him everything. When you surrender everything, that means the good and the bad. Jesus is so good. He, he doesn't, he's not surprised by what's in our life. But he won't take, he won't steal it from us. We have to give it to him. Because he created us with a free will. We can choose. We have the authority to choose what we do with our life. Which, by the way, is how he shows us that he loves us. Because we have the power to obey him. To love him in response. There's some of you here today, you, need, you just know, I need to bow. I need to turn to him. I need to come under that and say, God, not my will. All my desires, all my dreams, all my hopes... 
all my hurt, all my destruction, all my injury. Some of you here today, the thing that there's a place in you that as you bow today, what you need to give God is give him your unforgiveness, your unwillingness to forgive someone who's hurt you. As you bow, I want you to come today and to say, God, I release them. I forgive them. I, I'm not going to be in control of even that because I'm bowing before you and I say, you're God. You can judge. You can take care of all of that. And there's some of you here today, you need the help of the Holy Spirit. And I believe the Holy Spirit is here today to help you, whether it's to bow, but to fill you. I can't, man, I can't do life without the Holy Spirit in me and on me. Jesus, John the Baptist said, he comes to baptize us, dunk us, submerge us in the Holy Spirit and fire. And if you're not walking in that, if you're not walking in the Spirit as to not fulfill the desire of the flesh, how many know we need Him? It's not just some mystical force. It's Him, the person, Holy Spirit, who manifests Jesus in us. Would you close your eyes? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. There's some of you here today, the Holy Spirit is, is here to help you forgive. I know that sounds really, really simple. This is, this is life-altering, life-changing. There's, there's been a hurt, a wound in your life where you have just wrestled with this. It's not fair. It's not fair. How they, and I'm not here to tell you that it was fair. I am here to tell you God wants you to forgive. Because when you forgive, you're just releasing them under the hand of God. You're letting God be the judge, not you. And it will set you free, and it will set them free to be touched by God. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask you. Do you know... Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we ask you here this morning. Descend on our hearts. Descend on our minds. Help us, Lord. Search our hearts. Examine us. We thank you that you are so good. As Pastor Jonathan preached a few weeks ago, you are the vine dresser, Lord. And you purge what isn't meant to remain. You prune and you shape and you mold us. And you get rid of the stuff that leads to destruction. You hate evil. You don't hate us. You hate the evil that would destroy us. God, I thank you that you're here to set the captive free. I thank you that you're here to help us live in humility, in obedience, to be like you, God, and to get in the garden and put our knees in the soil and to say, not my will. I don't want, I'm not even sure if I can drink this cup, but not my will. Yours be done. I ask you to burn within us a holy obedience, a holy surrender. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. If you're here and you just know, hey, I need to respond to this message. I need to just take, put action to what's going on in my heart. And I know I need to respond to him. These altars are open. And I want, I want you to come forward and stand here and respond. Stand or even better, bow. And you're not bowing before a person. Or, this is not a stage this, this enables communication. This enables us to, to work together. But he's king and he's Lord and he's the only one deserving of our knees. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. But man, we have the choice and the opportunity to do it now. And when we bow before him, we'll, there's something in that that prevents us from bowing toward anything else. Walk in the spirit and do not fulfill the desire of the flesh. So if you need to respond to him today, come now. If you need to respond to the Lord today, come. 
out of the beauty of repentance, out of the beauty of reconciliation, out of the beauty of God, I've been far from you. I come and I lay myself down. I'm not blaming anyone else. I'm not pointing the finger at what someone else has done to me. I'm not looking at what has happened to me. Lord, I simply come and I lay myself down. Have your way, not my will, but yours be done.